Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello and welcome to the latest Liverpool Echo Blood Red podcast on what's already been a frantic day. I'm Matt Addison with Paul Gorst and David Lynch both alongside me. Liverpool beat Spurs, of course, over the weekend. The Champions League draw was this morning, even though that now feels like a good few weeks ago. Reports have since emerged that the Reds' owners, FSG, are open to selling the club and have put together a sales presentation for prospective buyers. That potential takeover, Gorsty, the only place to start. What have you made of this story so far? Um, yeah, it was a it was a massive um, story, wasn't it, from David Ornstein in, in the the Athletic this afternoon, and then when it breaks, you know, you're scrambling about trying to speak to people, really. So I haven't had the chance to properly digest what it might mean. In all honesty, uh, we've been sent the uh, the statements from FSG, which is very kind of non-committal, really. Um, they do suggest that they are open to further investment. Uh, and kind of weighing up the options. But I don't think that's any particular surprise. I think that's been pretty much known for, for years, hasn't it? To be honest, um, you look at the, the investment from Red Bear Capital in was it April of last year, for 10 or 11% of, of the FSG portfolio. So in a way, um, it, that is nothing new, but it's interesting that they have come out and, and, and felt the need to, to say it because... Um, doesn't appear to be anything imminent in, in terms of a sale, but the fact that they, you know, kind of have a presentation for, you know, prospective buyers is, is very interesting because um, it would suggest that they are open to um, to more than just, you know, investments. They, they, they would be open to selling completely. And in terms of it being a business transaction, it would be... Um, you know, it'd be foolish not to when you think that they bought the club for 300 million in October 2010. And, you know, the latest valuations from Forbes is somewhere between 3.6 and 3.8 billion. So um, it'd be an incredible return on the investment. Um, they've put in, what is it, close to around 250 million pound worth into the club and, and the infrastructure in terms of the AXA training centre, the main stand, and, and the Anfield Road development, which is obviously currently ongoing. Um, so it's a, it'd be an incredible profit if they did just just straight up sell it in the way the kind of Chelsea were forced to earlier this year, or Roman Abramovich was forced to to talk boldly. But it's um, it's not a kind of um, FSG are going to sell and Liverpool are going to have new owners and they're going to be spending hundreds of millions in the transfer market. It's not quite that, but it's the most significant development yet in terms of them. Potentially looking at an exit strategy, um, and you know, moving it on to someone who um, might be better placed to to challenge the likes of Newcastle and, and City in the transfer market. But there's obviously more to it than just just that as a, as an ownership group. And generally, I think Liverpool have had really good owners for the past twelve years. Um, maybe on, on you know, this is the 
a similar kind of thing that David Moore's realised at a certain point that you know for all his kind of good stewardship as Liverpool with with his finances and, and he obviously moved the club on. Maybe this is FSG's realisation that, that, that they can only compete so far with the likes of Manchester City and the Newcastle and even you know uh, Manchester United and and, um, and Chelsea at the moment. Um, but it is significant that there's no there's no denying that it's just going to be interesting now what happens in the, the coming weeks and the months and I'm sure the debates will rage every day on Twitter over what type of new owners Liverpool fans would want. But I think we're still somewhere away from it from it being that further down the line. I think. Yeah, it still feels like there's a good few developments to come with this, Lynchy. But as Gorsty says there, I mean, as much as the statement from FSG does say they're still fully committed to Liverpool, of course, they're going to say that. They're not going to say anything other than that. It does feel like a bit of a, a shift in stance, I suppose, is, is maybe the way that I put it. They've been closed off to, to selling in the past. It maybe doesn't quite feel so concrete now. Yeah, that's it. I mean, I've seen a few people on, on social media sort of questioning, well, this isn't a change of stance at all. This statement is clear. You know, they're looking for investment and that's always been the case in the past. But what's significant is that clearly David Ornstein and the Athletic have, have gone to FSG with this story and said, you know, you've got an opportunity to knock it down and they haven't taken that. They haven't said, and they have said in the past, is that they're not interested in a sale. They've, they've put that out there and said, we're just looking for some, some sort of, you know, to add some shareholders or add some value in terms of investment from elsewhere, but not really looking to sell the club. And they, they just haven't ruled that out at all in that statement. So it definitely means that they are looking to sell the club, which, which yeah, is, is a massive shift and, and an interesting one. Um, you know, it, some of the points Gorsi touched on there in terms of maybe feeling that, you know, they've come as far as they can. You know, they've, they've got every trophy in the bag that was available to them. The, the asset has appreciated incredibly over the past 12 years is it coming up to 12 years since they bought the club um, and, and yeah it seems you know on the surface like a, a good time to sell really and I think there'll be a lot of interest from you know across the globe but I think the the sort of the weakness of the pound in comparison to the dollar will be quite attractive to a few mm. possible investors and there's just a, just a lot of elements come together I, I think the next couple of years in terms of you know global economy wise makes it attractive as well. I, d I don't think that Liverpool is going to be worth any more in a couple of years' time than it is currently, or in two or three, four or five years' time. I think it's good, you know, it's a bit of a rocky road ahead. So this is probably, is, you know, they're going to make a humongous profit if they sell now. You, you only have to look at the Chelsea sale to see that. And they could walk away from the Liverpool situation thinking, well, we, we sorted the stadium, we you know, which was a big question mark at the time when they came in. We want everything available to us. We get left them within an elite-level training ground. Um, you know, now maybe a really good time to get out with a with a whopping profit, and I think, yeah, could, you know, that throws up a lot of question marks in terms of what happens next for Liverpool. And and, and FSG were in that statement sort of made made a point of saying that the, you know Liverpool's best interests at heart, but it's going to be very interesting to see what sort of plays out now because they they basically admitted it's sort of open season on Liverpool. Get your bids in and, and your offers, and let's see what happens. It won't be as chaotic a sales process as we saw at Chelsea, but I think there's going to be just going to be a lot of interest peaked and, and that story today will have, will have only increased it if anyone if there was any sort of investors who could be in the mix who didn't know about it they do, they do know now and I think um, they'll be keen to get the bids in as soon as possible so a bit of a sort of crazy period probably coming up and um, yeah it'll be really interesting to see how it plays out You've both mentioned there that the time that FSG have, have been at Liverpool, the, the fact that they bought it relatively cheap, they've put the investment in and it's now worth so much more. I mean, that to me, Gorsty, throws up the question of 
who would then be able to buy it? It's not the same situation yeah. as when Liverpool were in 2010, an undervalued asset that they could see a huge amount of profit would eventually be made. This is a different situation. They've got Anfield. They've got a completely different level of, of club. It doesn't feel like one where it would be a similar situation to FSG, where someone spots an opportunity to come in, make a load of money. This is someone who's going to buy a completely different club to what FSG took over to start with, if indeed that sale does go through. Yeah, the, um, the, the, they're going to be buying a completely different club, but the um, flip side of that is that you, you're going to be attracting a different type of buyer, aren't you? Um, you know, we've seen with certain clubs in the Premier League, Manchester, Manchester City and, and Newcastle, uh, the owners aren't necessarily in for it in terms of it being a good business decision and the kind of profitable acquisition that you can sell further down the line in the way that FSG have, and it looks like that's what they're looking to do. Um, there's completely different kind of reasons behind the ownership, certainly of Newcastle, Newcastle United. Um, you know, you have to look at what's going on in, in the wider context of what's, what Saudi Arabia are looking to do with the whole, you know, sports washing projects with the, um, the, the golf, the live golf and, they paid WWE best part of a billion dollars to, to host 10 shows in Saudi Arabia. So th- that country in, in particular is on like a massive drive to change the worldwide perception of, of how they're looked at. Um, and that is where you you would be looking in terms of potential buyers. That is the level of wealth that Liverpool could potentially attract, which would be a massive issue for, for the club, uh, the fan base, uh, that is, is is quite worrying, really. You'd hope that it wouldn't be a situation like that. Um, but you just don't know, do you? Because there's only so many um, consortiums around there that are able to kind of stump up the best part of £4 billion, um, and be kind of altruistic and, you know, everything with the best interests of the club heart and whatever else. Um, so it's a little bit of a minefield, in all honesty. But I suppose we're maybe getting a little bit of our, ahead of ourselves talking about that. But it's um, it's, it's something that might um, one day kind of come into focus. I know Spirits of Shankly have released a statement today, basically saying that they expect to be consulted on on anything that you know kind of develops, and that I suppose now is their kind of constitutional right, if you like, given that they're now you know on the LFC supporters board and, and Joe Blatt is the kind of chairman of that, who's Obviously, fronts up Spirits of Shankly. So, um, yeah, loads of different kind of facets to this story today, but it's an absolutely incredible development, isn't it, in terms of the owners of Liverpool Football Club are, are open to moving it on. Um, so, watch this space, I guess. It's, uh, it's something to keep us occupied during the World Cup, if nothing else. Yeah, it's certainly an interesting one to, to keep an eye on. I mean, again, we don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, didn't you? But I've seen well, as is predictable on Twitter, a number of, of different reactions. I think you mentioned it before in terms of the kind of the FSG out and, and all of this sort of stuff that's been happening for however long it's been now on and off and, and certainly has, has come back in, in recent times in certain quarters. But I suppose the, the question really has always been, well, if not FSG, then who else would it be? That throws up moral dilemmas. It, it throws up all sorts of, of different questions that... We didn't think we would need to find an answer for, but possibly today's news might be the start of, of that needing to change. Yeah, I, I think, you know, Gorsi's right to mention in terms of it's kind of worrying who could come in for, for Liverpool now, what sort of ownership group you could end up with. I think 
one thing to bear in mind that you hope would be influential is that Liverpool is sort of renowned as a as a club with a with a supporter base that sort of doesn't stand for that that sort of thing and is you know very vocal about political things and and and, and has a particular way about itself and, and also as a manager as well who's not scared to to speak his mind on, on moral issues always gives you know good and well thought out answers on these things he's not going to just take a back seat and, and, and well you'd hope not anyway and, and just think that you know any sort of owner will be good for Liverpool or for him I think he's got you know a little bit more about him than to just allow that to happen so you know maybe that would put off the investors that you think that would be sort of more interested in, in you know putting together a sports washing project rather than you know just an investment group and I think to be fair you know you, you look at the sale of Chelsea recently it shows that there are owners out there who who aren't just interested in that you know I think that they some you know you look at Todd Bowley at, at Chelsea obviously thinks that it's still even at the price they paid which was I think 2.5 billion with an extra 1.5 billion worth of guaranteed investment they would put into Chelsea still thinks there's an element of profit to be made further down the line um, in, in Premier League football so you know no matter what Liverpool go up for I'm, I'm sure there are, there are enough people out there with with the right sort of money who will still believe they can run it as a sort of sensible business and, and still turn a profit. And that also doesn't mean sort of being as parsimonious in the spending as FSG have been, by the way, because I think, you know, there's a, you know, Liverpool run as a business and a, a business that is sort of, you know, very sensible in terms of profit and loss and, and, and all that. But I, but I don't think you need to necessarily, in terms of your transfer spending, be quite as, I don't want to say stingy, but, uh, you know, controlled, shall we say, uh, as FSG have been and be profitable, particularly with a club like Liverpool that it generates such unbelievable revenue anyway. I, I just don't think the need is there. You know, I think Liverpool could get new owners who aren't necessarily, doesn't mean they're necessarily owned by state, but they could actually spend more in the transfer market. I think you've seen that in Chelsea now. It's it's entirely possible. So, you know, a nice balance probably somewhere there would, would maybe appease all sets of fans across that sort of spectrum that you find on social media. But it's, but it's interesting because... You know, I wonder how much say the supporters groups are going to have in it. I'm not entirely sure if that agreement about the supporters board has actually been enshrined in the Articles of Association yet, um, which is a little bit of a concern. You'd, you'd quite like that to be done before the sale process sort of begins in earnest. Um, and otherwise, we don't have a lot of say on those sorts of things. So, um, yeah, it, it's just going to be interesting to see where the interest comes from and, and, and how FSG deal with that, because I suppose... You know, the legacy is already secured. They've made some bad decisions in the past, but we spoke about on podcasts in terms of ticketing and things like that, and all the, the Super League and, and beyond that. But the legacy is secure with the, with the ground, the training ground, the, the trophies they've won, the team they've put together, the, the, the transfer, the recruit, recruitment staff they've put together. That's the legacy, but just don't ruin it now by selling to what would be sort of considered amongst the fan base as a, an undesirable owner. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Absolutely, there's lots and lots of, of elements to this story. Just be before we, we move on, Gorsty, is there any sort of guesstimation that you could have in terms of, of the value of Liverpool? It, it's a really, really interesting one. We've seen lots of, of talk around Manchester United potentially being sold and how much they might demand. We've obviously seen Chelsea as well. I mean, Liverpool, 
right up there amongst the, the very best in the world in terms of, of the, the sort of valuations of, of these clubs and, and all sorts of, of things along those lines. I mean, what just quickly before we, we do move on, what, what would your sort of guess on, on that be, do you think? Uh, I, honestly, I, I don't know because um, I was looking before. Uh, in fact, I'm looking at it right now. Um, Chelsea Chelsea were bought out, weren't they, by Todd Bowley and, and his consortium for £4.25 billion. Now, Stamford Bridge needs a lot more work doing than, than Anfield does. Um, you could argue in, in, that... In fairness, Gorsi, that was, it was two, I think the sale price was 2.5 and then um, sort of a 1.5 or 1.7 uh, guaranteed sort of investment, which I think was to right. sort of, you know, be part of, to, to sort of solve the yeah. stadium issue, I suppose. Okay, right. Um, yeah, I mean, and, and the playing staff, you'd argue, needed more investment than, than Liverpool's did or does as well. So, so there's that. But... You'd probably be probably looking at around about three and a half, four billion, maybe. Uh, that is just my kind of estimate. Um, I think PayPal would be better placed our business of football writer to to offer a better uh, overview on that one. But um, it's it, it's difficult, isn't it? I mean, these aren't these aren't cut price sums. These are a whopping great big figures, and you're not necessarily going to earn a return on it if you buy a football club. Um, obviously. It's it's a bit more lucrative now in terms of getting a return on it than it was say fifteen twenty years ago. Um, and obviously going even back further than that, it was just something of a kind of labour of love, wasn't it, for for a lot of local businessmen. Um, so it's it's an interesting. I mean, it's, the the boom in the Premier League now is just, like you know you look at the the owners across the Premier League, um, and they're all they're all foreign businessmen, aren't they? Who've, who, you know, they're all going to be close to billionaires. Um, it's just the way that the league is, is structured now, and it's it's getting even more difficult to, to compete. You know, the, we, we talk about the top six, and then Newcastle currently third now, aren't they? And they're going to be spending silly amounts again in January, you'd imagine, because they've got that kind of, you know, dangled carrot now to say to potential players coming in within six months, you, you could be playing Champions League if we get this right. So it's so difficult now um, to compete, and maybe... I think FSG perhaps have just looked at it and just thought, well, how will we, you know, are we going to get any better days than what we've already had here? You know, we've had some incredible times, we've won everything. And just at a time when, you know, Liverpool aren't necessarily shoo-ins for the top four. And if they miss out on that, then that's going to set Liverpool back years because we know that Liverpool are a self-sufficient club and that's absolutely the way that FSG insists that they must be ran. Um. And they're looking at it thinking, well, the midfield's getting older a bit now and, and you know, a top player now is anywhere between 60 and 100 million, you know, at the drop of a hat. Um, they probably need two or three of those. Um, so maybe they've just taken a little bit of a long, longer-term view of it and, and thought maybe now is the time to uh, to certainly look for maybe potential investments and then test the water to see if there's any kind of, you know, more fulsome buyers if you like to, to take it off your hands completely and then you ride off into the sunset with your three or four billion whatever it is that you sell it for and, and you've got all those glory days to look back on in years to come with if you, you know you're John Henry or you're Tom Werner or, or Mike Gordon who I think has been absolutely crucial to Liverpool's success um over the last you know certainly five years or so um but it's very interesting time about Liverpool it, you know the season hasn't quite gone anywhere near to to what many people would have hoped or even imagined but now you've got this kind of on the back burner it's uh, never never a dull moment covering the Reds is it 
Yeah, absolutely. Plenty more to, to talk about on this topic. I'm sure you, you mentioned Dave Powell there. I'm sure we'll get him on a, a podcast at some point this week and he can go through a, a few of these big questions for us. I mean, is that the same for, for you, Lynchy, in terms of, of the reading of this situation? Do you think this is almost an acceptance that you know Manchester City and Newcastle are the obvious ones, but there's just so many teams now in the Premier League? And if you go to, to mid-table or, or even lower down, you look at Aston Villa, the ambition that they've got, the money that they've got, there's... There's lots and lots and lots of clubs now with lots and lots of money. It's it's a completely different landscape to the one that FSG came into. Is is that a, a similar reading to, to Gorsty as, as what you would have? I mean, it's, it's sort of tempting to suggest, isn't it, that you know they maybe looked at last season and, and sort of thought this is as good a team as we're ever going to get. We still got picked to the Premier League by Manchester City. I mean, the Champions League just is what it is, but you, know, you still got a City team that can always get one more point than you in the Premier League and, and sort of has bottomless pockets. So... And maybe looked at that situation and thought, this is this is not for us, it's impossible. But I think we sort of, I don't know, maybe we get too tied into the idea that they've come into this of, of sort of wanting to, you know, I don't know, thinking about the sporting elements rather than the football elements. And I think FSG will have always looked at this as, a, as an investment. And obviously, one of the ways is increasing, of increasing the value of Liverpool was to ensure that there was some sporting success there. But it wasn't ever through sort of putting their own money in. Um, it was only ever through sort of, can we do this in a smart way and, and, and create this success and then create you know create a bigger brand and hopefully just naturally through the TV deals as well that the, the value of our asset will increase and and I think really more than anything rather than looking at last season I think it's just got to the point of some of the stuff we talked spoke about earlier in terms of FSG thinking well it's unlikely this asset is going to increase in value in the next sort of four or five years now is probably the peak time to to sell up and you know and make it an absolutely sort of ludicrous profit really and a profit which sort of shows as well i think that you know if you do sell it for sort of around three and a half four billion which i think is a realistic aim given what chelsea went for and the fact that liverpool is a, a far bigger club and, and, and easier to market so they should be selling around there but if they you know if they sell for that that profit just shows and, and which they've always been in line to make as the tv deals have gone up that deficit spending was actually possible in the transfer market and i know you know coming to that realization now or, or sort of People won't appreciate that being mentioned now that but FSG could have always sort of maybe gone a little bit further in the transfer market because this this profit that they're going to make now has been baked in for quite a long time, really. And it just, I, I think it just shows that basically the, the whole thing has been a sort of aim of, OK, yeah, we get the sport and success that will make the brand bigger. But also, you know, overall, it's just been about securing this this massive payoff at the end, which which they're going to get. So and I suppose, you know, you've, you've got to say that's. It's been a mutually beneficial arrangement. Liverpool fans will look back on this period with, with incredible memories. And the fact that FSG came in and ended a sort of 30 year wait for the Premier League title, I think everyone should be thankful for that element and the, the revolution they put together on the sporting side. But, you know, it, it's, it's getting to the point now where they can see the obvious benefits of, of cashing out and, and, and you know, the, making a, a huge amount of money on that. So, like I say, it's, it's more, you know, rather than sort of seeing the, the where the Premier League's going in terms of, you know, the, oh, we can't compete with Manchester City anymore. I just think it's, it's the, the asset has reached the maximum value at which they want to cash out now. And yeah, it, it, I think, you know, it's mixed feelings, but one where Liverpool fans will maybe think, had we had owners who were more obsessed with the sport and success side of things, maybe there could have been a little bit more sport and success. But what's happened is, you know, like I say, mutually beneficial for everyone and, and FSG are getting out at a moment where no one will look back with huge regrets, I don't think. 
Yeah, it's a, a delicate one, isn't it, in terms of, of picking the next owner. You've got to get the right balance of of certain things that will make it the best sort of case scenario, really, for, for Liverpool. But just in terms of that then, Gorsty, I mean, in, in terms of, of the next steps, it's impossible to know how quickly this is going to develop and, and how how long maybe even FSG have, have been thinking about this. But what would you say are the next steps? What can Liverpool fans listening to this podcast, what, what would you expect to be the next step in this process? Honestly, I've no idea because I don't really know, you know, what kind of billionaires are out there. You know, you hear of some of these, some of these people who've made the fortunes in, you know, whatever industry, and we don't know about them because we we cover football and we and we talk about Liverpool. Um, I mean, no one had heard of Todd Bowley, I'd imagine, um, up until a few months ago, unless it was is he involved heavily in NFL? I mean. Some people might have known him through that, but I certainly hadn't until it became clear that he was going to take Chelsea off Roman Abramovich's hands, and the government kind of seized 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 his assets, didn't he? That was that was an incredible period in time. Um, so it just depends on who's who's willing to kind of come out the shadows and, and test the waters, I guess. Um, so how, how long is is a piece of string would, would be the answer? But I just, I just think it's just hugely significant in terms of. FSG kind of putting out there that they are, um, you know, like like Lynch said at the, the top of the pod, they haven't kind of disputed what what's been put in front of them in terms of we know that that, that this is happening, and we know that that's happening. What you know, what have you? What's your response type of thing? They haven't taken the, the opportunity to say, oh no, it's, it's all nonsense, and you know we're we're still the owners of Liverpool and whatever else. They've openly said, yeah, we're looking for we're looking for always looking for for new investments and whatever else and. Um, I think the most in- interesting thing is, is kind of what they haven't said. Um, they haven't necessarily said that they're, they're not looking to sell. Um, so it's it's just just very interesting. Um, but I couldn't offer a kind of guess as to to who might kind of come out of the shadows with, with the three billion bearing all in the pocket. So um, it's just one to keep an eye on, and it's it's going to be exciting, isn't it? Either way, it's just a a case of when someone does come forward. The due due diligence is done correctly, and um, there are no kind of, you know, um, morality issues around it. Um, but we'll see. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. I think it's going to be interesting to see if a, a few of the, you know, with Chelsea's sale having taken place so recently, whether a lot of the similar faces sort of come to become involved in, in this bidding process for Liverpool now because it, sums of money involved are similarly ridiculous. It's, you know, two clubs, of Premier League clubs of sort of similar level of prestige at the moment, I suppose. Um, and, you know, you think some of the, the, the consortiums that were, were unsuccessful in bidding for Chelsea, so, you know, Jim Ratcliffe sort of immediately springs to mind as someone who would might maybe want to get involved. You know, it doesn't look like Manchester United are up for sale. The Glazers have no interest in losing that asset at the moment. So, you know, you'd say that the second biggest club in English football becomes available. Surely he would like to be in the mix for that. Um, and, and, yeah, alongside a few other sort of undesirable elements who, who will probably get involved in the bidding process. But it's, you know, there's no time limit on this one, which I think makes it really different from the Chelsea one. That that had to be a quick sale because of the circumstances surrounding it. So this one, you know, I think FSG are going to, as they said in the statement, you know, they sort of lay out that they were, you know, they were interested in maintaining Liverpool's interests and, and trying to make sure, I think, really saying we're, we're not in a huge rush to sell at the moment. It's more about securing the best possible deal for them. 
and, and sort of hearing what's out there. So I think this is going to be slightly more, well, quite a lot more drawn out than than what we saw with Chelsea. But yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see the names slowly start to pop up because I'm sure they will because. You know, one of the techniques these these groups will use is, is sort of trying to get fans on side by publicising their aims and intentions around the club if they were to be successful in, in, in bidding for them. So I'm sure we'll hear a lot from from various consortiums and, and various people about what they could do for Liverpool and what they'll they'll promise to do if they're able to take over. And that, that will slowly start to sort of leak out from this point onwards, really. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting. The uh, the Redbird thing was was interesting that Gorsley mentioned before in terms of Jerry Cardinal. I think he was asked a, a few months ago, you know, would he ever consider taking over Liverpool? And he said, well, you know, I, I can't rule it out. It'd be a privilege, but at the same time, they're not for sale. Perhaps something like that could uh, could possibly work. But of course, you know, we're speculating at this stage. Still a, a long, long way to go in that process. Whatever does happen next, of course, we'll keep you up to date across the Liverpool Echo and Liverpool.com. But we'll move on to the other big story from today, Gorsty. The last 16 draw, as I mentioned before, feels like an age ago given what has happened since, but Liverpool paired with Real Madrid. A big story in itself, of course. A glamour tie, a repeat of last year's final, and it's one of those that's really, really hard, but one, I suppose, that Liverpool can can look forward to. Yeah, it's, it's probably the worst of the, of the four, wasn't it? You know, Bayern Munich's obviously got the whole Sadio Mane narrative. I think Liverpool fans would have jumped at the chance to faced off against Porto or Benfica. Um, obviously played both of them last season, but um, they were definitely the easier of the the, the draws. Um, yeah, I was left a bit cold by it, to be honest. Um, it's going to be the seventh and the eighth time that they played since 2014. Um, you know, they obviously met in the quarterfinals in 2021. They met in two finals in 2018 and, and in May. Um a bit sick of the sight of them, if I'm honest. They're, they're, um, they just seem to to have Liverpool's number, don't they? They're, they're just, a, you know, even last season when they, you know, it looked like they were going to get knocked out by PSG, and it looked like they were going to get knocked out by Chelsea, and it looked like they were going to get knocked out by Manchester City. You somehow got to Paris, and then you're thinking, well, well, this is a bit different to 2018. Liverpool are the better team. Liverpool are coming in strong after an incredible five or six month period. Um, and then Real Madrid. Just do enough, don't they? Get that get that win, the 14 Champions League and Liverpool um go home empty handed. Um but even that game, I've I've never seen any highlights from it. I don't intend to. I've never spoken to anyone about the game actually, in all honesty. Um it was just, you know, what was kind of it you know, what happened outside the ground, the with the French authorities and, and everything around that, that was potentially disastrous, wasn't it? And that's the kind of a Biden image for Paris, sadly. Um, so, um, don't think anyone was was even too interested in the game, was they? You know, even when they finally got into the ground. Um, so, Real Madrid it is again. Um, I mean, you'd think Liverpool might be due one against them, mightn't you? After all the times that they've they've beaten them over the last few years. Interestingly, there's only um, the only teams who've ever knocked Klopp out of the Champions League as Liverpool manager have, have come from Madrid, haven't they? So. Um, maybe it's a time that, that you can kind of put a little twist into that story and Liverpool can finally get one over on, on Real Madrid. But no doubt about it, it was definitely the, the worst of the, the four draws. Yeah, it's certainly a tough one, Lynch. Yeah, so, you know, there's been a bit of chat around, well, would you rather play Real Madrid over two legs or one leg and all of that sort of stuff? But whichever way you look at it, Real Madrid, absolute masters of the knockout phase. It's not even like it's a semi-final. It's literally the first knockout round. It's 
really, really going to be very hard for Liverpool, even if it is, you know, a, a glamour tie that, you know, Anfield can look forward to. And I'm sure, you know, anyone that, that goes, it'll be a privilege to be there, but it will be very, very hard. You'd probably quite like to, to save that for a little bit later in the competition. Yeah, I mean, I, to be honest, I was, I was probably slightly more upbeat than, than most, definitely more upbeat than Gorsty, who was uh, seemed very sad then. Yeah. That was me, though, in the impression. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, he's not, he's not here today, so we needed someone to be that miserable. Um, but yeah, you know, I think it's the Champions League. Liverpool got a fairly easy run to the fact, not an easy run to the final last year, but they got some sort of kind of draws, didn't they, on the way there? And I think, you know, and it made no difference. They got beat in the end in the final, and that was really disappointing. But I think, you know, if you're not in it for these big games, then then what are you in football for? I think, you know, to get Real Madrid there, the whole revenge element around it, okay, maybe, what is it, four-time lucky or whatever to get revenge on them, um, you know, that, that coming up again is, is kind of interesting. And I think, you know, there's mitigating circumstances around some of the sort of defeats then in recent years. You know, you look at Kiev and, and Salah going off early. Um, you look at the, the, the game where... Liverpool had the two-legged tie, sorry, where Liverpool had no centre-halves and, and sort of playing in front of no fans. And then, you know, I thought last year, the sort of Liverpool had no excuses in the, in the final, really. They were just beaten by a team who were incredible at winning finals, but Liverpool still could sort of count themselves a little bit unlucky. So I, I think to get them at this point is actually quite good for Liverpool, to get them to Anfield in front of the supporters um, and hopefully have sort of a fully fit squad by that point or, or quite close to I think Liverpool could give them the runaround. You know why not? You should you should sort of think that Liverpool are capable of that. They've done it to so many teams at Anfield in the past, and you'd be sort of a little bit scared of coming or, or you know big big name ties. They've 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 give teams a runaround at Anfield many a time. So to get them there with the fans in, I think could you know completely change things. And I think rather face them sort of in that two-legged tie and have fans with you behind you at Anfield. Then get to a final where Real Madrid will just they're just the masters of doing what they need to to get over the line. I think you know there's a there's a point at which you could make you know you could even decide the tie in, in the first leg given it's at Anfield. Liverpool are fully fully capable of doing that, particularly knowing that sort of away goals don't count now, so they can even take a little bit more risk in that game as well. So I think it's you know I think it's something to really look forward to, and and you just hope Liverpool have got sort of a fully fully fit squad at that point and you, you don't go into that game thinking, oh, what if someone such and such and such was fit or, you know, what if, you know, different setups or whatever. I just think that, I just hope they're in a good, you know, they've got enough time now to get themselves into a really good moment by the time that tie comes around. And then I think, you know, the, the magic of Anfield, they could easily, they could easily knock this Real Madrid team out. It's, you know, it's not out of the question. I know people have just got that bad experience of recent ties against Real Madrid just in the head, niggling at them. But I think, you need to forget that and think that this is this is definitely a tie Liverpool can win in sort of in front of a, a raucous crowd, definitely. Yeah, certainly one to, to look forward to. And I suppose the thing is, Gorsty, by what, two months down the line when it's the first leg, February the 15th, I mean, it, it could be a different Liverpool team. You wouldn't necessarily want to play Real Madrid tomorrow, but maybe with a couple of players back, possibly with a January transfer, maybe it gives Liverpool a bit more hope by that point. Yeah, definitely. It was a, a point I made today in, in a piece that was uh, went on the site and was immediately drowned out by the, the, the sale stuff. Um by by February, like you say, Diogo Jota could be back fit. Luis Diaz I'd imagine will be. Um Navi Keita if he's registered. Um and then of course the um the January transfer window offers a, a real opportunity to significantly kind of strengthen the squad. So yeah, um that's uh, that, that that's an, an interesting prospect. Um but 
I wouldn't be overly worried if, if the game was was next week, to be honest, in terms of Liverpool's just unable to raise the game, aren't they, against, the, against bigger teams? And we've seen that all season. Um, seen it against City, obviously, yesterday against Tottenham. And um, I'm never overly concerned, really. Obviously, the Arsenal and United results earlier in the season were, were disappointing. But um, I think Liverpool, yeah, maybe with the, the Anfield factor, like Lynchy says, that's a, that's an interesting one because Liverpool just didn't have it to be in. In 2021, you'd imagine if you know that would have been absolutely bouncing that night had fans been allowed in, and it could have been a completely different story had Liverpool managed to turn that around um, and gone through to the to the semis. So um, yeah, there's a lot of different elements to that one, um, but Real Madrid know how to kind of navigate themselves around the European Cup, don't they? So um, that's going to be very very difficult that time. But one that obviously we'd all look forward to when it rolls around. Yeah, It'll be exciting to see Jude Bellingham as well in Liverpool buying from well, that's it, yeah. in January with his <laughs> yeah. owners. And yeah, that'd be great to see him in that tie. So. Yeah, I was glad, glad it was you that said that and that can be clipped <laughs> for you and not anybody else. But <laughs> yeah, certainly one to, to look forward to. And like Gorsty says, really, like against Tottenham yesterday, Liverpool can turn it on in the bigger games. We haven't got time really to, to talk about that Spurs game, but you can go across and watch the debrief if you want a bit more of analysis of that. I'm sure you'll understand that other stories have taken over since then. But just before we finish, we do need to, to pick our teams for the League Cup game against Derby. So we'll go through that now. I suppose there's a good chance of within Kelleher Gorsty in goal, possibly. We'll hear from Jurgen Klopp or possibly Pep Linders. I'm not sure who's going to be put up in front of the media on Tuesday. But uh, do you want to talk us through your, your goalkeeper and your defence? Yeah, um, I think Kelleher will play only for his first start of the season. Um, the back four, I imagine um, Calvin Ramsey will start, Costa Simakash. Nat Phillips played 45 minutes for the 21s on Sunday, didn't he? So, um, no, that's clearly hinting at getting him a little bit of rhythm. And um, I think Joe Gomez will will complete that back five. Yeah, exactly. The same for me, Lynchy. Is that the, the same for you as well? Yeah, sorry, it's a bit boring, isn't it? That's exactly what I've written down here. So, yeah, well done, boys. Well picked. <laughs> Fair enough, right? We'll stick with you for midfield then. Maybe a couple of changes between us in there. Yeah, um, I quite like to see Stefan Bajetic get... Um, get a run out I think he's you know he's looked really bright in cameos hasn't he so it'd be really nice to sort of see him come in and, and be given a start I think we saw Oxley Chamberlain coming off the bench at the weekend so he's obviously fit enough to start in that midfield and if we're sticking with a three which I think Jürgen will, will do that for these next two games I don't see any more sort of changes of formation coming um, then maybe Jordan Henderson coming in because he um, obviously missed the last couple of games yeah, I know he came on as a, a sub briefly against Tottenham but maybe just be good to get some more minutes in his legs and so that'd be my, my midfield three yeah, Henderson, Bicetic and Curtis Jones for me. Gorsty, who is it for you? Um, do you know what? I, I, was, I was thinking about Milner, actually. Uh, I think Bicetic will get his debut, won't he? Uh, we've seen last season that Klopp likes to use the League Cup to give young lads a go. Conor Bradley, Kate Gordon, Tyler Morton. Um, and I think Bicetic will be the next one off the rank. So I think he might just sit in there as number six with Milner. And then probably Curtis Jones. Front three then, Gorsty, I'll come back to you. Yeah, so I think Carvalho will start on the left. And I think Wayne up Oxlade, Chamberlain or Elliot on the right. And I think I'm going to go with Oxlade and um, down the middle, Starwin Nunes. Yeah, exactly the same from me as well. Lynchy, front three. I've sort of realised I've painted myself into a bit of a corner, really putting Oxlade, Chamberlain in midfield. So maybe I sort of move him forward, put Jones into midfield. 
Um, and then have a, an Oxlade Chamberlain, Carvalho, and Elliot front three in some sort of mix. I just think it, I just think he's going to want to make changes and sort of keep it as far away from his, his sort of first team because it it's looks even more important to me. To sort of you need to get those three points against Southampton going into the break at the weekend. So mm. I just really think he'd be quite keen to to make a lot of changes and keep anyone who's around the first team pitcher out of it really if you can. Yeah, he's well, he, he, he did play Oxley Chamberlain, didn't he? As a, as a number nine, was it last yeah. summer? Um, kind of testing out that role. It was a bit inconclusive, maybe. I guess if that's your front three, it's probably Oxley Chamberlain. Yeah, is that what you're thinking, then, Gia? Yeah, yeah, exactly that. Of course, you nailed it. Excellent stuff, right? All in agreement then, pretty much with that team. We'll just quickly go for a prediction. I won't get a scoreline off you. Are Liverpool going to win, Lynchy? I hope so. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, never I, know. I think uh, I, I think they'll they'll have enough whatever they sort of whatever sort of team they'll put out to to win, especially with it being at Anfield. Yeah, Ghosty, same for you. Yeah, I think so. I think Derby's probably biggest thing is getting back into the Championship, isn't it? The League Cup isn't particularly lucrative for for them, so um, you'd imagine Liverpool, if they're professional enough, they should have enough about them to go through. Yeah, so two two nil. Sorry. Oh, 2 0. You give us a scoreline as well. Yeah, there you go. There you go. 2 0. Right. We'll take it. Good stuff. Well, absolutely loads that we've packed into today's show on a busy afternoon for us all. Plenty more to run in the FSG story, I'm sure, and the Real Madrid tie to look forward to with the World Cup to come. It's just a shame they couldn't spread out the news over more than one day. Until next time, though, from all of us here, it's goodbye for now. You've been listening to the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo.